podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria Tellis interviews Lori Ann Spagna. She is a spiritual teacher, ascension guide, multi-dimensional channel, intuitive, animal communicator, energy healer, light worker, luminary, visionary, starseed, and healer. Lori radically transformed her life after a series of near-death experiences while living in Maui. Lori teaches about ascension and acts as a guide to awakening spiritually-minded animal lovers, light workers, star seeds, and way showers. She is also a best-selling author and speaker who assists others to awaken to their alignment with the true divine source, which exists within each and every being, so that all beings can live their best life ever. For over 20 years, Lori has transformed the lives of thousands of humans and animals via her channeled ascension guidance, intuition, sacred energy healing, and animal communication and telepathy. She provides ascension training and support, sacred energy healing transmissions, dormant DNA activations, and sacred key code activations for humans and animals. Lori provides seminars, presentations, and workshops for pet professionals, animal lovers, and truth seekers regarding the lessons that humans can learn from animals and how humans can better improve their lives using the universal laws. She also leads powerful manifestation and healing circles and empowers people to tap into their true connection to the universal source which exists in us all. Lori helps people have a two-way dialogue with their animal companions and teaches people how to tap into their true power via the universal source, which connects us all to live our best lives ever via the everyday lessons we learn from our own animal companions and the wisdom and healing they share with us. Here is the interview with Lori Ann Spagna. In your own words, who is Laurie and Espana? I'll give you a little bit of my background then, just so you can kind of understand my storyline. You know, I spent the first 20 years out of college in corporate America riding the hamster wheel as a good slave. And after about 20 years, my brother died of an unexpected drug overdose. And to my surprise, I was getting very clear connections with him. Like I didn't really realize that I had such strong telepathic abilities to connect with people or animals even who had crossed over. So 
his message basically the for me at that point was like you have to change the way you're living because the way you're living is similar like i was doing i wasn't doing drugs or but i was doing extreme amounts of alcohol and cigarettes and spending and eating and coffee and all that stuff it had i was living a very highly addicted lifestyle so after that message from him i really did change my ways i quit my six figure job i became a dog trainer I started aligning with my true, what I call my true trajectory. I started getting messages from animals. Anyway, within two years, my entire life changed. And all of that stuff, like six figures in credit card debt, two packs of cigarettes a day, two pots of coffee a day, excessive, excessive amounts of pharmaceutical drugs from well-meaning doctors, excessive amounts of alcohol spending, the debt, all of it, including excess body weight and a thyroid that was completely off. Within two years, all of that was healed and resolved completely, never to resurface again. And that's really is pretty amazing. Like that was just from writing my course. When I say writing, getting myself aligned with what I'm really meant to do here. And, And what I would say about that to be, clear, I got happy. Literally, I just started choosing a path of happiness and service. And yes, it was a spiritual path. It was it was spiritual, but it, in the early stages, that's not really what I thought it was going to be. I just thought I was going to be helping animals on a global scale. How interesting. That is very interesting. When you say spiritual, I say spiritual too. I'm just asking myself, what is not spiritual? <laughs> Everything, it's part of the mystery. Everything's one thing. Yes, well, I just explained that because you're, you're absolutely right. Everything is spiritual. See, the path of love, the path of joy, the path of service, the path of contribution always leads us home to source. However, we know or experience or understand that source, that true divinity, which exists within every one of us. And it is part of all that all of us and it is all we are we are part of it it's all that is so but that's not it wasn't so much that wasn't really the start of the journey the start of the journey was like i just need to get happy this life is really taking me down a really bad path and i'm like you know so it just this stuff happens so effortlessly actually on the along the journey you know in mm-hmm. a sense and i say it mostly for people to inspire people because I mean, these things are actually way easier than we realize. It's a, and it's a path of happiness, a path of love, a path of service. Right. A question came to mind. Would you say that this search, pursuit of happiness, it's connected to self-love, the choosing? I will tell you, it, was, it didn't start off as a path of, of happiness. It didn't start off that. It just it started off as a path of love. Like I mm. knew that the excessive smoking, the excessive drinking, the the excessive body weight, the excessive spending. I knew I was not loving myself. I I was going to therapists for help, and they and they were pumping me up with pharmaceutical drugs, and I knew that wasn't helping because I had been doing that for well over ten years. That was part of the journey, like massive amounts of drugs, pharmaceutical drugs. So it was it was for, initially it was like okay, what's gonna what's what's gonna make me be loved. I'm going to help animals because I loved animals. But it was me trying to find love, trying to find value in myself, trying to realize like there must be something good about me. <laughs> and I knew that that was going to come through through helping 
animals who I loved so much. Thank you so much, Laurie, for your honesty. That's really helpful yeah, to all of us yeah, to hear that. So I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned before. So my first question, official question is, what is life? Well, I guess that just depends on the perceiver. I would say life is just our experience and whatever we make of it. So I think that we create our life experience as perceivers of our reality, how we define it, how we explain it and how we interpret it and how is how, our, how we ultimately experience it. But really, it's an aspect of all that is, right? It's an aspect of all that is. It's also eternal in a sense because we are eternal beings, even though we might not in terms of linear time, mark our physical experience as we might limit our physical experience to life. But I would say our life in terms of consciousness, in terms of our awareness is eternal. And, and us identifying as witnesses to, the, to whatever experience we perceive, that's how I would, <laughs> I hope that makes sense. I've never been asked the question before. It does, yeah, it does. So what is the opposite of life? Hmm. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I would say um, unconsciousness, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I don't even know. That's not even typically anything that's been asked of me. But I would say, what is the opposite of life? Well, you could say the perception of death, but that's not real, true, or accurate. Um, maybe I, I would say, yeah, just the experience of hell that most humans, I perceive, are kind of going through without knowing it. I would say that life on Earth prior to 2020 was probably from the mass consciousness, that would be my experience, my perception of death. It's just like, yeah, whoa, life sucks and you die. Let me go home. Let me have a beer. Let me sit in front of the news. Let me get myself brainwashed by the artificial news media. That's not real, true, right, or accurate. It doesn't have my best interest in mind. Let me give all my power away to my doctor or my lawyer or my teacher. Let me go hate on my neighbor. I would say that is death. Certainly call that hell. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Oh my goodness, this is a good question. I would say sovereignty and liberation from any and every form of mind control and from every and any form of interference energetically that would be in any way, shape or form harmful or detrimental in any way, shape or form. So therefore, I would describe freedom as true liberation of the mental, emotional, physical, energetic, spiritual body, all bodies, all aspects of our consciousness, true and complete liberation and sovereignty to experience whatever we experience through our lens of, of conscious free will, intention, desire, choice. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, almost made me cry. What a great answer. I never heard it that way. Humanity is evolving towards that now. True. So true. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? Consciousness. Consciousness, and I would even say spiritual awakening. Right. I hear love a lot. <laughs> I would also dovetail that with liberation and sovereignty. Freedom from an old oppressive regime, which has been keeping us small and stuck and limited. Freedom and liberation and sovereignty. Which will, which will come with consciousness for the collective, for the bulk of humanity. Yes, so true. What is love, Laurie? Mm, love is everything, all that is. Love is all there is, ultimately. What, where, and who is God? You are God. 
I am God. God is all that is. There is nothing else that is not God. Even that which we perceive to be the darkest and most evil thing on the planet is an aspect of God in disguise, in a sense, to allow us to have all kinds of experiences and to remember who we are as God. What is the purpose of your life? Uh, the purpose of my individual life is to alleviate suffering on the planet as best as I'm able to and expand and elevate consciousness for the collective and to be a vehicle for the divine source, creator, God of all that is to um, inspire itself in and through me as me and to embody me, me as the speaker. <laughs> me in whatever form of separation I am coming from at this now moment. I like that. I love the way you speak. Um, yeah, me as a life, this as a separate individual piece of life, but uh, everything is life, right? Everything is God. Everything is beautiful. Um, what is happening at this time on the planet and why? When we talk about this time, I'm going to refer to the year 2020 as a whole. And I would say what's because we don't know everything. We're, we're at the early first quarter of 2020 at this moment. But I would say what's happening is what I would call the Great Awakening. I would also call it the third wave of ascension. I would also call it the tipping point. I would also call it that we have reached the hundredth monkey. I would say that we are in a moment of mass awakening, but at the, the earliest moment of mass awakening. So nothing that we've ever experienced before in this lifetime has ever happened. And that this year will be the birth of that. It has been birthing since the 60s, the 60s, but now it's in the collective. We reached hundredth monkey, we reached the tipping point. So from that perspective, I would say we're undergoing a massive planetary transformation. And I would like to hold the light as a light bearer for what, what lies ahead, if I could say, that what I see and perceive ahead for us is sovereignty, sovereignty, freedom and liberation for all. Based on the conversation we had just earlier about that topic, I would say that what is, lies ahead is clean water for everyone, healthy drinking water, clean skies free from chemtrails or toxic substances dropped in our skies, clean air. I would say integrity, honesty among all living beings. I would say kindness and compassion towards all living beings. I would say true equality in terms of a financial, I wouldn't even use the word financial. I would use a word in terms of the way we do fair energy exchange, sharing, giving, receiving, true equality. I would say a healed earth, mother earth. I would say animals who are all treated as sentient living beings, all animals. Those are some of the things I see ahead. I could go on. Not, not this year, maybe not, but, but just around the corner <laughs> from this year, which will be just the most important thing this year, I would say would be to to practice becoming the eye of the storm and to be the peace that ripples out from you to the collective. Let's talk about ascension and the shift of consciousness. My question is, what is the difference between ascension and the shift of consciousness? Well, they're basically very similar in a sense. Ascension, as I define it, is the evolution of humanity. And it's happening and it's been happening since the 60s. And now I mean, like I said, it's the hundredth monkey effect. So ascension is the evolutionary process that humanity is going through where we shift out of being homo sapiens, 
homo, you know, basic human beings who have basically, who are only using 10% of our brain capacity and primarily functioning from left analytical brain to an evolved being that is functioning from a very balanced and full left and right brain hemisphere using up to perhaps 90% of our brain consciously and a full, fully engaged heart center which we will eventually evolve, evolve to a five-chambered heart over time, much time. Much larger hearts, heart-centered magnetic hearts with brain, heart, brain, fully brain developed in the heart center, heart matter, brain matter developed in the heart, and also fully engaged brain gut. So our guts will be fully engaged. We'll have stronger brain in the gut. And our our frontal cortex of our brain, which is the pleasure-seeking, long-term pleasure, not short-term immediate gratification, that frontal cortex of our brain will grow. And that is happening now in humans. We will shift from carbon-based to light-based so that more of us is just light, right? Crystalline-based, more like a plasma-based. Our new name will likely be Homo divinicus. Um, this evolutionary process, of course, is already affecting our geography, our global landscape, our political system, our economic system, our schooling system, our healthcare. All systems are being transformed to accommodate to the new human, human divinicus. And of course, needless to say, we will all be stepping into our God selves. So the way I see it is that within the next 20 years, only gods will walk the earth. All gods, conscious of their self as God sovereign beings, will walk the earth. I guess my next question is: How do we know when this part of us is awakened? It's already you know when it's happening. <laughs> you know, you know because I no longer will sound like a crazy person to you. If I sound crazy to any listener, that means you are far off the mark, and it's it's time you know to take the call to start to wake up. But you know when it's happening to you because what happens is you start overall, you start having experiences like you start having angels come and visit you. You start having more psychic awareness. You start becoming more compassionate and caring. You start gravitating towards, you know, podcasts like this and healing circles and you, you get inspired to do different forms of healing or intuitive work or you start getting called to more to learning more about esoteric practice you start deciding you want more truth and less fiction you start recognizing that your entire life experience starts to transform into one that's more evolving into more unity consciousness you start shifting out of service to self and shifting into service to the collective, service to another. You start asking questions like, how can I make the world a better place? What can I do to contribute? You start caring about more things that are more aligned with heart-centered love and peace. You start choosing healthier foods, healthier ways of living. You start making more of a choice to act in more conscious ways. I could go on. You get you start get gravitating towards meditation and and other forms of, um, you know, this, this, you might be called to more yogic work. And I mean, I can go on and on. <laughs> Life changes forever. 
So before we talk about intuitive development and the psychic nature, I have to ask you this question. What is the difference between the intuitive voice, the higher self, soul, the spirit, divine source? Are there any difference? Yeah, there's a lot of differences in a sense because if you understand everything is everything in our world is frequency based. So if you just you know, if you think about music, there's a difference between a D chord. I don't, I don't know music, but like a D chord and a C chord or, you know, it's that concept. Everything is frequency based. So if something's coming from, for example, your own higher self, it's typically going to be some form of guidance and it's typically going to be love based yeah. or service soul based t- towards your evolution. It's going to help you in some way, guide you in some way that's helpful. In some way, it's going to be uplifting. and it will likely be very um, personal in a sense because if it's your higher self, it's going to be mostly about your own personal life, your personal mission, your personal journey, or perhaps how you might help or serve someone else in your in your community, in your life, in that sense, right? But if it's coming from source, it usually will be more, if you're accessing something that's more divine source, it's usually, in my experience, more collective or in service to higher knowing or higher wisdom or something that's more evolved towards um, group, group or collective, less personalized. But you know what? It's ultimately, it's all source. The big thing you want to ask is like how to know what's not yours, what's not yours or what's not serving you. Like it's a voice of the inner critic, for example, or like I have a voice that comes in and it's usually a voice that comes through my, my father's voice and it's a voice of debate and argument. So sometimes when I hear that voice in my head, like it's the inner debate. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I just, I'm really not interested in having an inner debate in my own mind. Like a great way to know is you just simply ask whose voice is this? Or who is this coming from? Or where is this coming from? Or where does this belong? Where does this voice belong? Or who does the, who, to whom does this belong? Any of those questions will help you discern. If the voice is not a voice of love, for example, in your head that you're hearing, or if it's a fear-based voice, it typically will scramble. It will typically will, will go right away the moment you address it. Yeah, so fear, that's such a great way to know when there's fear, right? Would you say that fear is the opposite of love? I, I think a lot of people do say that, and I certainly have heard that. And I mean, you could say that fear is the opposite of love. Yes, I guess you could say that. I, I would just say, you know, what, what I work with, part of what I work with is universal laws. And so there's a law of polarity, which does polarize things. It creates the experience of polarity. But in reality, what the law of polarity teaches is it aligns with the law of one which is the law of love, which is ultimately there are no opposites, all is love. So yes, I agree. And I see that perspective. And I always want to raise us up to the higher level if we can, which is to know that fear is also a voice of service in a sense. Mm -hmm. Because if we hear the voice of fear and we address it rather than ignore it or, or treat it as something bad or wrong, if we actually welcome it home to us, we become the love that invites the fear in it dissipates forever. But when we tend to reject it as a wrongness, it typically gets more power that way because now we're just polarizing it. And our job in this evolution is to come into oneness. So 
as we recognize fear is a teacher, not necessarily a wrongness or a badness and an aspect of us, our fear can show us what we're here to resolve or here to somehow integrate or here somehow to address in some way so that we can be at peace with it or receive whatever gifts it has to offer us. How wonderful and so true. So true. What are the uh, universal laws that you just mentioned? Well, all of existence exists at different frequencies, right? So our human reality has been existing in what we call a third dimensional bandwidth or third dimensional range of frequencies, which are generally fear-based. Fear, worry, doubt, anxiety, frustration, um, lack, limitation. You know, those are, those are th- third dimensional bandwidths. And um, as we elevate our consciousness and as we up-level our awareness to the higher frequencies that we end up becoming more and more harmonious with, Sixth dimension is a, is a frequency bandwidth where the universal laws, which are laws of physics, but they are laws of love. They agree, to agree. Physics discovered them and labeled them from a physical, from a physics point of view, a scientific point of view. But spiritualists, we know them too. We, we just use them in layman's terms. And those laws exist on a sixth dimensional bandwidth. So they kind of govern our reality and they help us navigate because as we're awakening and we have to, especially now on planet Earth, one of the most important tools to have is the tool of discernment. So the laws actually help us know what's true and what's not true, what's real and what's not real. Because ultimately everything really is perspective, interpretation, and and the laws are just they help us navigate our way. So to help us understand. And this is a good question to ask you. What is real? Well, everything is real and nothing is real. But what's real is basically consciousness and awareness, perspective, interpretation. That's what's real. What's real is is energy in a sense, although at the highest level of consciousness, even energy is an illusion. But what, what's real is energy, vibration, frequency, the interpretation of the of the perceiver that's real all of that's real and yet it's not, none of it's real in a sense right that's the that paradox paradox is real <laughs> <laughs> maybe only paradox is real right <laughs> it's true i mean really do you know what's real love is real love peace is real joy is real kindness is real the experiences we have how we define them that's what's real but we're the definers, we're the interpreters, and we're the creators of them too. So what are some methods that you can suggest for body, mind, and spirit connection? Let's bring it down to like everyday experience. I mean, without question, we know that Mother Earth is an ultimate healer. We know this from the new, relatively new science of grounding or earthing, that yeah. five minutes barefoot on the earth, we our bodies start to restore within five minutes to homeostasis. So walking barefoot, being in nature, spending time outside in nature. Also the sun, father sun, mm-hmm. right? Solaris. We call Mother Earth Gaia. She is, and that is the name of Mother Earth Gaia Sophia. And we call father sun Solaris, the son of God, Solaris. So breathing in the light of the sun through your mouth or through the periphery of your eyes, Taking in swallowing sunlight will really nourish you. It also 
um, increases all kinds of things like serotonin, which is our happiness hormone, dopamine, which is happiness. Um, it stimulates um, all of those good those good hormonal activities in our body. It stimulates our ability to feel happiness and and peace and joy within us. It also literally, quite literally, can nourish and feed the body. It, it reduces our hunger. Those are immediately two things. Okay, obviously, if you can't walk barefoot, depending on where you live, that's okay. Just find your find your what's right for you. Body movement that feels good for you. Yoga, dance, um, any form of body movement that that is not about force, but rather Feldenkrais, anything that feels good and right to the body, stretching. Just what makes you your body feel alive, whatever your body hungers or desires for in terms of movement you want, that is absolutely a way to stay healthy and also to restore consciousness to the cellular makeup of the body. Also, healing circles, meditation circles, no question. Meditation and healing groups, groups are always one of the most important things to do, especially this year because... The collective together elevates whoever is the lowest frequency will be elevated by the highest frequency and the collective will elevate all. So we're talking about raising our vibration. We're talking about elevating frequency vibration. Of course, meditation on your own, any form of meditation. And if you don't feel comfortable yet or if you don't feel whoever you are, if you don't know how, Get a meditation CD, or I mean, just the day, you know, YouTube has tons of them anywhere online. You know, you can find that. I know I, I have a sacred membership. We have tons of meditations in there, but just those are key things. And then, of course, food of the earth. So, food of the earth is anything that grows naturally from the earth. Plants, you know, all forms of plants and plant life is is the healthiest food. Nuts, seeds, berries, plants. <laughs> you know, that's, those are your core foods to be eating. And plenty of water, of course. Clean, healthy water, ideally free from any form of fluoride, which you know shuts down the brain and shuts down the body and deactivates our ability really to awaken our... I mean, we didn't talk about DNA yet, but... Yeah, I have a question for you on that. <laughs> Healthy, clean water. And you can bless your water, of course. And there's all kinds of structuring devices now that, you know, and really high quality filters. I do believe we will eventually be in a world where we don't need those anymore. But for now, we still do. Would you say to avoid alcohol, it's a good thing? Yeah, well, here's my take on alcohol. There's a reason it's called spirits. There's consciousness in everything. So what we call contractual agreements, which have been mostly nullified, but still that non-physical beings can sort of, um, when you imbibe spirit, spirit can take over your body, which is why people often have blackouts and really massive hangovers and, you know, dehydration, all kinds of things can happen because literally spirit can take over your body. And that's why people behave in ways that they wouldn't normally behave. So that's a very esoteric belief system, but in my experience, it is true. And this also what, when you get some spirits, it's that's why it can become very addictive. This is true for drugs as well, because it's literally the spirit that doesn't want to leave your body. That's mm-hmm. like, drink, drink some more, drink some more. You need some more, get some more, get some more. So it can hang out in there because that's 
That's the agreement of alcohol. Now, our society has been brainwashed to believe that it's entertaining or that it's somehow required to relax the body. But you start realizing pretty soon when you get into this practice, like your joy is so bountiful from within and easily accessible that, I I mean, I personally have not drank any alcohol, nor have I even desired any alcohol for most of the last 20 years Mm. since I, I got on this journey. I mean, I've never had, I've had it a couple of times. And most of the times when I've had it, I've been like, yeah, I don't really, yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it anymore. I just, I remember once being with one of my friends and I was, we were driving and we were in Florida and Florida is notorious for like these outdoor bars where everybody sits and drinks all day. And yeah. I remember we were driving past and I was like, oh, I remember those days, the days of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, a- you just sit around and drink all day. It's fun, but it's like, it's not eventually part of the journey as you move on. It's just not required, not desired. It's almost like a different lifetime, right? That was reincarnation. What is your opinion since we're talking about drugs in general, psychedelics, magic mushrooms, awaska, iboga, you know, those? You know, I know that there's... First, I have to say I respect all choices. Those are, you know, they originate from from our ancestry, like shamans and and that those older um, and very ancient storylines of humanity. And I don't have any problem with that if it's done in a you know wise way with someone who understands that. For me, on my journey, it's completely unnecessary. And honestly, especially if your frequency bandwidth is is not elevated enough, you could get interference. So I personally don't feel that that's required anymore. It comes from a storyline where earth was a lot more dense and a lot more unconscious. So those that plant medicine was needed in older timelines to help people to elevate to higher frequencies. Now, because of the evolution of, of our humanity and the shifting of consciousness, we really don't need that anymore. We're really not requiring that because the frequencies are just so high now. I mean, it just, just the human's resonance alone is tracking the frequency of earth. And now the spikes are so high. We are so advanced in terms of the frequencies that we're able to access relatively easily. We just don't need that. You know, I honor people's voices if that's what they feel that they need. I don't have any personal issue with it. I just, I don't think it's necessary anymore. Right. Yeah, I guess it's, it's used today mostly for um, addiction. Well, I want to say that as a healer, I don't think that's necessary for addiction either, to heal addiction. You see, source, from my perspective as a healer, and as I'm aligned with source consciousness on so much, because everything I have to do as a healer is to bring source, the divine source through me or or through our, my work with whomever I'm working, not necessarily. It's not my energy that entangles. It's always source. It's, it can heal everything. Everything is healable. Everything is fixable. Everything. And, you know, any just ask any healer. Any really good healer has witnessed countless miracle healings of what we would perceive as unhealable. The issue with addiction is that there's all kinds of webbing And there's so many layers of what need to be addressed, which are linked into things like self-worth, self-value, self-love, self-care, self-nurturing. And then you've got all kinds of other things that are running in there, like suicide programs. You know, 
there's, you know, exit stage left programs, like programs where people just want to check out. And then you've got layers of stuff that goes through the lineage. You have to clear up the lineage. This stuff is coded in the DNA, by the way. And it is curable and healable. The question is, will the person do what it takes? Are they willing? And most people I've seen with all, even with the healings that I've done, very often people kind of quit before they get the full benefits. The miracle healings are always the ones who are willing to do what it takes to receive the healing. And they're not expecting it to be some kind of pill. Because that's another thing right people's unconscious. is like they, they have in their unconscious, and they're not even aware that they have this, this belief system that it should be some kind of pill that can happen overnight or within an hour. Or somehow that they should have a, an experience. They believe that spiritual healing is something they've been brainwashed to believe is true from like this idea that some wheelchair person rolls up to a pulpit, some minister puts their hand on them, and then boom, hallelujah. Your idea of how it works, that's kind of like what I call brainwashing. It's not even true, real, or accurate. So the question is really, will the pe- person do what, are they willing to do what it takes? Mm. Which is, uh, from everything that you say, it's actually an unlearning work, right? Undoing, yeah. Yes, yes. More than doing anything. <laughs> true. Uh, talk to me about the dormant DNA. Yeah, this is one of my favorite topics. So what's going on in part of this ascension process with humanity and the evolution is that we are shifting from two-stranded, two strands of active DNA to a minimum of 12 to 13, a minimum of 12 to 13 strands of DNA active. So humanity, in order to really ascend and level up, we must actively participate in awakening this dormant DNA. At the same time, We have to be cleaning up and clearing out the first two strands because the first two strands are basically corrupted. Why do I say they're corrupted? They include things like addiction programs and, you know, unconscious belief systems that are inaccurate. They include all disease, death, dying, problems with our family members, ancestral ancestral lineage issues, poverty. You know, if your parents were alive during the Great Depression, and you've got money issues, you probably took that on from your lineage, right? So all that stuff is in there. And it's just based on misbeliefs, false beliefs, unconscious truths that we took on and wired unconsciously, programmed into our own DNA without realizing how the mind-body connection works. So the DNA in the first two strands stores up a record of that stuff, basically saying, hey, this isn't right. I want you to resolve it. So it's going to come up for you. Whatever's going on in your life, that's, that's basically not your joy, your happiness, your health, your well-being, your abundance, your, your peace, your love, your fulfillment means there's whatever's off, that's coded in your DNA. It has to be cleared. That's the first two strands. But when you get into these other 10 strands or more, that's where your God gifts come from. And they, I mean, they don't include sickness and dying. They include, they include imperviousness. Like light workers right now, and I know we had a little pre-conversation, we're not sitting in fear right now. We're doing what we can to be the eye of the storm, to help and support others at this time of global awakening. And we're basically aware that we have, light workers, if you have enough DNA activated, you have impervious and imperviousness and immunity to all disease. Now that doesn't mean you go and stick your face in someone's face who's coughing on you. 
<laughs> right. I always thought about that. Yeah. Right. You don't put yourself in harm's way because self-love, you would not do that. You wouldn't. That's right. It's not like a fear. It's just you love yourself enough to still take care of yourself and to be smart and wise and take appropriate action. You honor the laws of nature. Nature says if you stand in the face of someone who's coughing on you, you could still get it. But overall, you're carrying the knowing through your whole DNA that you are immune and impervious. This isn't, just, isn't something that's just in the brain. This is not just a little brain like, this is an affirmation. It's like, yeah, I'm immune. No, your body and being knows you're at a frequency that your frequency vibration match does not match for disease. You're not, if I'm listening to FM 47 or 97 smooth jazz right now, I cannot hear at the same time AM 720. And that's, that's what we're talking about here. So this stuff is in our DNA, but we must actively engage and awaken it. And all of our greatest gifts are lying dormant in the DNA. And in order to start activating that, the first place to begin is to go to people who know how to do it and to participate. At a certain point, you start knowing how to do it for yourself. But I mean, I'm like, I'm into digging for the codes because there's all kinds of codes in there. And like another thing that's really important in the digging for the codes is to clear out codes. Like right now on planet Earth, we're looking at clearing out codes that we would call Armageddon programming, fear of the end of the world, which was falsely imprinted in there by old religions. And I mean, other lifetimes we could say too, right? Other time, space realities, (laughs) which we could spend an hour talking about that. But yeah, so that stuff has to be cleared out. That's part of what I work on with my groups when we're clearing the D, this corrupted DNA. But the good DNA, like the stuff we want, we're all psychic, we're all healers, we're all intuitives. We all will have eventually the opportunity and the ability to time travel, space travel. I mean, these things sound absurd to some people maybe, but not in my community, not, not where we're, what we're playing with. And so much more. We're all telepathic. We, we all can communicate with plants and animals. And I mean, we, just the gifts are astounding what we can do. The gifts are astounding. Let's start activating and awakening when we start getting into this DNA and when we start practicing and applying it. So, but we do have to be heart-centered to even access it. See, that's why so many people want the DNA right now. That's why you have all these like free DNA testings because they want the DNA because they need it. They're, they know these gifts are in there and they're trying to find it. They don't realize you have to be heart-centered to really use it. You already have to have enough heart-centered, compassion, caring, service, love, for not just for yourself, but for fellow human beings, for Mother Earth, for animals, for all of life. That's how we start getting into that DNA. Yeah, that's uh, you're reading my mind. Then <laughs> that's like my next question: How do we start? Even <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, the way you start is the stuff we were talking about earlier, and really just desiring and choosing, being willing to grow and evolve, to level up, and to recognize that it's going to be coming from real, true compassion. And even when you look at world events like you know, a a coronavirus, for example, or um, a massive economic collapse, for example. One of the great things that comes out of this is is great compassion in in all living beings. So we start to become more compassionate as a a planet, as a, a human species. And this is part of what's awakening now for the collective. 
And that's what will help everyone ultimately access their dormant DNA as well. Yeah, that's the foundation. Um, so briefly, I have oh, I have so many questions here, but we're almost at the end. So I guess my final questions on the topic um, is about spiritual bond between humans and animals. What is it and what can it teach us and how can it help and heal humans, this connection with animals? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, the animals are our teachers and our healers. We humans or most humans uh, typically tend to think of the animals as um, less than us or somehow subservient to us, but that's nothing more than a false illusion as well. And nothing could be further from the truth, actually. All animals other than humans have more of a balance between their left brain and their right brain. So the left analytical brain is always trying to figure out what the right brain already knows. But the right brain with its awareness, the animals, all other animals on the planet have much more right brain activity than we do. We're just starting to awaken that as we go into you know, healings and meditations and stuff. Um, and also they, most of them, unless except for perhaps the animals who live with humans, most animals have their pineal gland and their pituitary glands fully activated, where ours have been calcified and shut down. So those master glands are the psychic eye, right? The master extrasensory abilities that we have. In humans, those are shut down, but in animals, they're not. And also, we have cut ourselves off from our heart center. And you, you know when you're talking to someone who just isn't in their heart, they don't really care, <laughs> right? Animals are not, they don't have that. So they're already really very active. They have much more brain matter developed in their heart in a sense. And they're certainly much more empathic. They are the ultimate sponges. So they feel and sense everything in their environment. And then they immediately are able to identify what it is and know with their right brain, they don't have to analyze it for 20 minutes. Did he say that? Did she do that? What does that mean? Why did she say that? They don't have to belabor it for 20 weeks. They don't need to go to a therapist over it. They just know, ah. That's the experience of sadness. Oh, that's the experience of grief. Oh, that's the experience of joy. Oh, my, my human's happy. Oh, there's love. Oh, my human's angry. They know it right away. So they become our teachers because they absorb this energetically. They don't have the same form of judgment or wrongness of it. And then they typically will mirror it for us. Uh, so the mirror might be a kind of behavior or a kind of, physiological response. They may get sick or diseased. If we're carrying unhealthy thoughts and emotions and behaviors, um, they mirror that and then we get to learn and grow. So for example, if you have an animal who is gets lost, it may be that the human's learning more responsibility, or it may be that the human has so much um, fear about their life, or they can't handle it. And the animal says, well, I'll go get lost. So I become one less burden. Sometimes, sometimes if um, an animal gets diseased, it's almost always, almost always because the human is carrying energy, thoughts, emotions, beliefs, belief systems, etc., that are so dense and heavy that the animal absorbs them in an effort to try to heal the human and, and shows them that this is what's going on in your life. Another example is if an animal is very aggressive, it may be that the human is very aggressive. Recently, my I'll use this example. My brother and I, I mean, just this is part of my learning tends to be around the family dynamic. 
And he's really, really aggressive with me because I had to clear and resolve my own fear of humans, right? This is just unconscious. I go so deep, right? I never even realized I had that. And I had to disengage, uh, disentangle the family structure. I knew that was part of my work of unraveling the political structure that's going on on our planet right now that's abusive to its family. And I was doing this like intuitively, psychically as a light worker for the collective. And his sacred contract is to show it to me by being the abuse, the abuser. And that was healing and resolving issues of victim, victimizer, abuser, abuser, abused. So healing and resolving these issues. And um, after it was resolved for me within a week after that, in his family structure, his nuclear family, one of his animals attacked and killed another one of his animals. That's a really sad story, but it's a great example. And it's not, you know, I have great compassion for this. It's just, it's just such an exam, a perfect example in my life. I saw how it happened, but it, it's nothing to do with me personally. This is just the way the animals are. It's part of their contract and their desire to help humans awaken. That's amazing. And you know what came to mind, Laurie, is that we, you talked to me earlier about how we humans need to um, be aware of what we eat and drink uh, to, to be healthy and to cultivate well-being. But animals, they drink the water <laughs> with fluoride. So I'm just wondering if, if that's different to, um, when it comes to animals, that they are more uh, immune to all these things. Well, in some ways they are more immune. They, they definitely are. And their digestive systems are much, um, especially dogs and cats, they have, they, from their ancestral lineage, they have all kinds of bacteria and um, you know, living organisms in their gut flora that helps them to, to digest stuff. But regarding the fluoride, the way I would address that question is this, is animals are coupled up, when we talk about companion animals, Animals are coupled up with humans who are a vibrational match for them, a frequency match. So if the humans in their family are drinking fluoride and they're relatively unconscious, the animals are sharing a similar bandwidth of energy. So they would have a similar kind of experience, but they as individualized beings would be helping their human to work through that at that frequency. Like for example, in my house, my animals never drank fluoridated water. We don't I never give them that. And I would recommend to people to only do, you know, get get treatment that cleans the water or some kind of restructuring device or really good quality filter. And I would highly recommend using that for your animals too. Same is true for my animals in food. I mean, they eat raw, organic, you know, nutritionally based for their body you know, raw pet food is what I would feed them or else a home prepared diet that's based on nutritionally sound, balanced diet, which is species appropriate. But my animal was is, is always gotten like, you know, human grade supplements, you know, I give them all the, you know, supplements that I take. So it, it's a vibrational match, you know, and your animals pair up with you based on what you together are going to be working through. So I have a few um, final questions for you, two or three. So before that, would you like to add anything? So then what I would say is if people would like to, they can, if they're animal lovers, they can head over to my website, lorispania.com. 
and they can get some amazing free gifts. So for example, if you're animal lovers, you can get um, some amazing classes on animal telepathy and healing with your animals. That's at lauriespagna.com forward slash free gifts forward slash animals. And if you would like to learn more and about the DNA, why we activate it, how we activate it, and get a, a gifted DNA activation, you could go to lauriespagna.com forward slash free gifts forward slash DNA. And if you're curious about the ascension process and you want to know about the light beer, light bearers, the light workers, the what we call star seeds, the indigo family tribes, that's really, really out there. But if you'd like to know more about that and discover what we're doing here for humanity, you can go to lauriespagna.com forward slash free gifts forward slash starseed. So yeah, those are all, and they're not just like a little lame PDF. Those are, there's really, really rich content in there. Really sound rich content. Like there's some eBooks and classes and it's good stuff. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you so much. So I have about three questions for you. Uh, Final questions. What is another word for healing? Transformation. If you knew you would lose the body soon, would you change anything or do anything differently? Yeah, I think I would. I'm still working. That's why I'm not ready to leave my body. So uh, I'm not not finished with my journey. Yes, I I think I would. I think I would just, you know, what most people do. I would just, everything, every behavior that I've ever done that wasn't love, I would. I'm already working on living a regret-proof life. Oh, wow. But I would that I'm completely there. I love that. I never heard it that way. <laughs> regret-proof life. <laughs> yeah, regret-proof your life. It's a good time to be looking at that. Just regret-proof your life anyway, right? So yeah, I think there are some things I do different, but I'm working on it and I'm actively engaged in, in being that now to the best of my ability. What are three things about life you know for sure? Three things I know for sure. Number one, the sun will rise again and so will the moon. Number two, love is all there is, ultimately. And number three, we are eternal beings. We are eternal and immortal beings. And we are ultimately all one. That's what I would say. We are ultimately all one, ultimately. Thank you so much, Laurie, for your presence, your love, your beauty, your wisdom. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Valeria, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our time together, and I'm, I'm so grateful to have been able to be here and participate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Can you please provide us with your website again? Yeah, it's my name. It's L-O-R-I-S, as in Sam, P as in Peter, A-G-N as in Nancy A. So it's lauriespagna.com. And they can find me all over YouTube and social media, and certainly, yes, my website, lauriespagna.com. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lori Ann Spagna, please visit her website, lauriespagna.com. more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bigrock. <laughs>
Thank you again for listening and bye for now.